Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. All right. Hopefully, uh, before you leave today, don't leave so much in a rush. Um, last week was um, Memorial uh, Weekend. Hopefully, you all had a, a wonderful, wet Memorial Weekend. Because, I mean, it rained on all of us, basically. Um, but for, for some of you that have not seen each other's faces and all that, welcome each other. Um, we have not done so today um, publicly um, or officially. But make sure you take time to greet one another and uh, to say hello to one another. It's always good to ask, to really ask how someone's doing and not just to fly by someone, amen? And maybe take a moment to have a conversation with someone and say, how's the family? How are you doing? What did you eat this week that wowed you so I could go try that place too? You know, whatever. (laughs) Start the conversation up, amen? All right. If you have your Bibles, forgive me. The the cough drop that I have in my mouth, it's almost done. (laughs) It's almost finished. So... You're going to hear it jiggle a little bit more in my mouth, and then it's, it's dissolving, and, uh, and then we'll be clear of it, but um, I needed to take one today, so I know that you are graceful and merciful people, and you'll look past the cough drop, amen? All right. If you go over to Colossians uh, chapter 3, that's where we left off at, and in chapter 3, we um, spent time in verses 1 through 10, 1 through 11 last weekend. I shared this during our 9.30 huddle. We're almost at the end of Colossians. Next week, it's chapter 4, and we're wrapping it up. And for me, maybe sometimes we take things lightly, you know. We get used to coming over here, and you know, okay, so-and-so is going to have a word and have a message. But you, you never, we've never considered um, the time or the preparation or the mental, even fatigue, right, that it could bring just to constantly be in thoughtful with his scripture and, and, and then I have to, you have to go preach that on a weekly basis. So for me, I shared in huddle that it's a success for me. It's an achievement, though it's only four chapters that we're coming to an end of the letter of Colossians. I hope that you've had a wonderful time in this letter. I know that it's done great um, wonders and it's spoken great truths into my life. Amen? I hope it has in yours. So what we'll do is we're going to continue right where we left off. And um, we started in chapter 3, as I said, and we're going to attempt to finish this chapter um, today, which I believe we will. And we've covered so much. We've covered so much since we started. Let me get rid of it. All right. We've covered so much in the last five weeks, and it's been a a fun journey, a fun ride, um, learning from Paul's writing and how he he addresses false teachings that have entered the church. And I don't want to go so much into week one and... And break down week one again. The good thing about the day that we're living in is that everything is saved through our podcast and everything is saved on YouTube. But he's And you could go back and listen to it, but he's addressing the false teachings. And he's addressing all these things that have entered the church. And I love how he's handling truth and he handles unity in a time where the Colossians are being swayed. And uh, they're being actually swayed and I guess another S we could use is swarmed. They're swarmed with falsehood, with things that are false, and with division within their camp. And I love that Paul does such a, a graceful job in, um, 
and really fixing some of these issues and addressing some of these issues. We, we remember that last week he gave a charge to the church, and the charge was, we prayed for it now during worship, was to set their minds and that they will set their sights on the things above, the things that are of heaven, and not on the things of this earth. How many of you remember that? It was just a week ago. And he also reminded them um, of their resurrection, that they have now a resurrection in Christ and that they are, or, or, or that Christ is uh, to be their lives, that Christ is to be our life and Christ is to be centered. How many of you remember that? I gave an example of my son and his famous quote and saying lately, basketball is my life. And in Paul's telling Christians, well, it should be said of Christians that Christ is our life and that Christ is the center of it. Amen. So we read verses 1 through 10. Let's go ahead and read it, and then we'll start off right where we left last week. Verse 1 says this, just so you could follow with us, go back and listen to last week's message, and we'll continue. It says, since you have been raised to new life, verse 1, with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden, concealed with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly Things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, or evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Verse 6, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Thank God he's not talking about Nest Church. Amen? Don't lie to each other. For you've stripped off your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. Look what he says. Put on your new nature. He's talking about redressing yourself. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator. Become more like him in this new life. It doesn't matter if you're Jew. Okay, I told you I was going to stop there. Verse 11. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew, Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Verse 11. And as we read that, and as we read these verses, and we stop there in verse 11, that's where we continue today. And, 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 and what a great place to continue in verse 11. Because as we read verse 11, he's saying it doesn't matter where you fall, under what category, under what group you fall under. You've been to a place at times, right, where you feel maybe left out, or you feel you don't fit in. I've been there. I've walked into diners. And I've seen everyone in the diners, a whole different part of the country than here in Miami, where every single person in that diner packed, not one seat available, 
I've opened the door to the diner and every single person has just stared at me and everyone in that diner knows this is an outsider and this outsider knew I do not fit in. Ever been there? You just don't fit in. You just feel like, hey, I'm not part of this group or I feel like it's just not, well, you guys know what I'm talking about. And in verse 11, Paul is writing. And as he's writing, we have to remember who he's writing to. He's, re- he's writing to the ancient Roman world. He's not writing to Hialeans in 2022. Miamians in 2022. Miami in itself is a whole different country within our own country. It's, it's, you won't find a city like Miami. New York does not come close to it. No city in California comes close to it. Miami, it's melting pot. The way our culture is... Bring someone from the outside in. They said, there's just something different about Miami. There's a way that we dress. There's a way that we talk. There's a way that we walk. Just go on a cruise and someone will ask you, where are you from? (laughs) Miami's just different. And and when Paul's writing this, yes, the, the word of God is speaking to a people of Miami today. But in this moment, the writer is speaking to this ancient Roman time of the, when, the Roman, when it was Roman rule and he's teaching and he's sharing something and he's saying that the power of the gospel that Christianity that itself will change everything what he means is and look what he does in verse 11 in verse 11 he says this the barrier that which you fit in or don't fit in the the, the boundaries in what you call yourself, the, the groups in which you associate with. Look, look what he says. The barrier of slave or free, circumcised or uncircumcised, Jew or Gentile, whatever you say you are, whatever groups you associate with. It says all of this will be broken. And, and Paul writes to confirm that there's this work that is happening in the new man. How many of you understand Now, when you come to Christ, the old man is gone. At least it should be if there's true resurrection and salvation and forgiveness in your life. And now a new man has come to live. Bible says it's real weird. It says you are a new creation. He forgives you. Like, not the way humans forgive you. (laughs) A lot of humans, they say they forgive you, but they bring it back up when you do them wrong again. Like, dude, I thought you forgave me about that. Right? Not God. When you stand before the judgment of God, he forgives you of your past and never will he bring up your past again and say, ah, I kind of remembered it just right now. So I wanted to bring it back up to you. He's not going to do that. It's the beauty of his forgiveness. He erases it. He does away with it. Scripture says what? Go east, east. As far as you can, go east and find it. You can't. You'll keep doing circles. Go down, down to the ocean floor and find it. You can't. You don't even know the depth of it. So he's, he's saying that there's this new man, this forgiven, sanctified, holy man that has risen. That we are a new creation. And in this new man, in this new creation, I'm going to ask you a question. Please answer it out loud so there's no awkwardness. What are we patterned after? Who are we patterned after? Our pattern is Christ. The new man, this new creation, it's patterned after Jesus. 
Not, not the pastor that you love and you follow all of his apps and you listen to his morning devotionals and you watch on tel- No, your life is not patterned after any man but one. His name is Jesus Christ. We're patterned and patterned after Christ. And though our society tends to put people into groups and we do it ourselves because we're part of it. And though our society may separate people, Paul is giving us a, an important truth. Please listen to this. In Jesus, everyone say in Jesus. Yes. Yeah. It does not matter. All may separate us, but in Christ, all are united in him. It's a beauty that only our faith does, our book teaches, our Christ does, is, and teaches. It's in Christ we're all united. There's unity in Christ. That is why whenever there's division, it's, it's, it's a mark that, oh, this is not of Christ. There's something that darkness, the enemy, has infiltrated. Because Christ is not a dividing God, he is a uniting God. He unites us together. That's what he does. In Christ we're united. It doesn't matter what color or what nationality or what gender or what social class. Listen to this. It doesn't matter what sin or what crime you've ever committed in the past. Christ comes to live in all who surrender to him. Oh, but you don't know how bad I've been. Well, you don't know how bad my God is. You don't know how far I've gone, or you don't know how far God's gone for you. He unites us regardless of our color and whatever it is, our bad, our good, whatever. He wants to, us to surrender and unite us to him. So, so I, I thought about this and I said, man, we will have brothers and we will have sisters that we will fellowship with in all eternity that were once the very thing that at one point of your life you may have despised at one point. And the Lord says, be careful, because in eternity they will be your brother and sister forever. I always say that when I have conversations with people, I think in heaven, we're going to be surprised by some of the folk that are in there. You made it. And they're going to probably look at you and be like, you made it. And there might be people in hell that you thought for sure, 100%, they had a one way. They were going to heaven. There was, and you're like, how did they go? How did they not make it? And, 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 I, and I think that's going to be a, a, a real truth. I, that's, it is. Many will come to me in my name and say, Lord, Lord, we did. And the Lord says, I never knew you. Many that the world thought would make it won't. And many that the world thought would not will be there. Because all it takes is that split decision of true repentance of the heart. And it could be with your last breath. I'm not telling you or anyone that will ever hear this or watch this in a future time to do it at that moment and to chance it. But if it takes a true repentant heart at the last breath, that person right there, for Christ is worthy to be saved. In Christ, better said. So we don't separate people that, the, that Christ's spirit has united with. Amen? I read this a few weeks ago, and I'm going to share with you. Jesus is better at saving than we are at sinning. And don't ever forget that. 
And in these verses, he's telling the church, hey, this is who we are now in Christ and who we should all be. Let's keep reading uh, just through the scripture here, and I'll stop, and then we'll break down um, the verses as we see it. It says in verse 12, since God chose you, everyone say, God chose me. Amen. Isn't that sound good? Doesn't that feel good? God chose you because you were probably maybe like me, the kid in PE that was the last one to get picked to be put in the game. Or, and like, ah, that, that's the worst feeling, being the last kid that's picked in the team. You're like, ah. And then Scripture says God chose you. He picked you. You didn't get left out. You weren't the last in the bunch. You, God chose you, elected you. He brought you in. Look what he says here. He chose you to be his holy people. Well, if he chose you to be anything, you know, well, I'm the point guard. I'm the, I'm the center. I'm fourth batter. I'm going to be the quarterback. God's like, well, this is what you're called to do. As I've picked you and I've chosen you, your position is this. Ready? Your position is holiness. Start in holiness. That's where you're going to start. Put your jersey on. For you've been chosen to be his holy people that he loves. Look what it says. You must, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy. How are you clothed this morning? Can you really answer this to yourself in your own notes? Can you really be honest with yourself? I know that there's someone sitting next to you that really knows you a lot. So as much as you can lie to yourself, I hope that they love you so much that they too will not lie to you. But are you truly clothed? With tender mercies? Is tenderness part of how you can be described? Do you have tender-hearted mercy? Look what it says. Kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with a brother in the Lord, a sister in the Lord? How are you doing with a family member? How are you doing with someone that has affected you, afflicted you, impacted you, confronted you? How are you doing with that? Are you clothed, as Scripture says, with these things? Come on, be honest with yourself and with Scripture today. And then it says this. Make allowance for each other's faults. Make space. Make an allowance Give the opportunity for it because it's going to happen. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, you're going to clothe yourself. He continues with the dressing, with the apparel. Clothe yourself. Well, if I'm going to, if I'm going to clothe myself, with, what else do I have to clothe myself? Well, it's going to all start with this right here. Clothe yourself with love. Because this is what love does. Look what he says. Love binds. Binds us all together. How does it bind us? In perfect harmony. Not, not perfect division. Love binds in harmony. Perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ, let it rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Mm, that's preaching to me. Let the message about Christ and, of all of its, and all of its richness fill your lives. Teach. Everyone say teach. Counsel. Advise each other. Counsel each other with all wisdom that he gives. 
Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, look how you do it as this ambassador, as this representative of the Lord Jesus. And you, man, it's really emphasizing on this. And give thanks through him to God the Father. Thanks. I've come to learn that a negative person is not a thankful person. If you're someone that's always being negative, you're, you're missing out on gratitude and thanksgiving. Verses 12 through 17 are, 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 are so good. And, and we start from the beginning in verse 12 and 13 that we are to, Paul is saying, live up to this. And live up to who we are and who we are to become in Christ. I said this as we read these verses that we are his chosen ones. And as his chosen ones in whom he loves, I get this, that this can be difficult. I get that it could be difficult to, um, to have a tender heart. I get that. And if you're honest, you get it too. Because this year has been even a challenging year for me to really have tender hearts for people. It really has. I've said some mean things out of my mouth about people this year. Because my heart, at times, has lacked tenderness. So I was feeling some sort of way, so I spoke whatever I was feeling. Because out of the abundance of the heart, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if you walked close to me in those moments, you saw when my heart spoke in a moment where there wasn't tenderness. Why? Because I got mad and I got bitter and you did it towards me or you did it towards my family or if you do it towards my kids. Not a good place to do it. Not my kids. Hit me, punch me, say whatever you want about me, but my children, ever been there? And the Lord starts to say, oh, I just wanted to see how your heart was. When I poke at that thing in which you love so much. I just want to see how your heart was. Do you know? I'm wondering if this will make sense. If it doesn't, forgive me. And don't call me a heretic, but I think it's going to make sense. Jesus was in the garden and they came to arrest him. Do you remember that story? Peter takes out the sword and slices the guy's ear off by accident because I think he was going for his head. I've shared that already here. I don't think anyone is so precise to take out a sword and say, I'm going to cut your ear off. I think he swung the sword. The guy ducked and he clipped his ear off. Thank God that the guy ducked and all he did was like, I mean, I think it would have been cool if he would have cut his head off and then Jesus would have done the ear thing with the head and put the head back in the neck and, and, and healed him. He did it with the ear. But listen to what I'm trying to say here. He swings the sword and he cuts the guy's ear off. And Jesus did not approve of that. Jesus didn't say, if I was Jesus, I would have been like, my dog, my boy, my friend, you're, you're my friend. Because you were ready to kill that guy for me. 
If I, thank God we're not Jesus. But if I was Jesus, I would have winked at Peter and be like, you almost got him. <laughs> but Jesus did not approve of Peter's behavior. Imagine how Peter felt when Jesus picked up his ear and places it back on the guy's head and just stares at Peter and says, because we're from Miami. If you understand this, you understand. If you don't, just we'll go back to the scripture in a second. Bro, are you serious? <laughs> what happens there is Jesus didn't approve with that. You've walked with me this far to the end, and yet, when that which you love is tested, your heart was led to kill it with a sword? And he's revealing to Peter, you lack a tender heart. How many of you take out the sword before your first thing is, I'm going to do whatever I can just to bring healing? I hope it made sense. So go ahead today, before we end, not before, because I want you to finish the whole message. But when we end this service, go pick up the person's ear that you sliced off and put it back and say, whatever it takes for us to heal, we need to start healing because this stuff is not going to work out if we continue to function like this. Amen? All right. It's biblical. And yet, I'm speaking to myself because everything in me does not want to do that. Everything in me says, leave the ear on the floor. And Christ says, pick it up and heal. Amen? Come on, how is Christ working in us? How is the Holy Spirit convicting and drawing us to Christ's holiness? The holiness of Christ puts the ear back on and says, hey, stop sinning, Peter. And probably hugs the guy that was arresting him. How do we live up to who we are in Christ? Tender-hearted mercies, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, making allowance for each other's faults, forgiving one another as they offend you, remembering that the Lord has forgiven us, that we also must forgive others. One theologian writes this about tender mercies, and I want to quote. It says, if, someone is ten- if something is tender, it is sensitive to touch. The apostle would have them to feel the church of Colossae. The apostle would have the church of Colossae to feel the slightest touch of another's misery. And as their clothes are put on, put over their body, so their tenderest feeling should be always within reach of the miserable. <sighs> My Lord. So as we read verse 12 and 13, we've got to finish this chapter today. Remember that all of this is coming from where we left off last week. Verse 10, put on your new nature. That's dealing with putting on new garments and removing the dirty garments that you once previously had on. Verse 14, above all, you clothe yourself with love. It binds us together in perfect harmony. Harmony. So we look at these virtues of 13 and 14, right? Tender heart, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, pain. We look at all of these virtues here. And here Paul is showing us that, that they're all manifestations of love. 
Because of love, all these things are real. Because of love, all this stuff comes from it. And it's not just that. Above all, clothe yourself with love. It's not just amongst all these virtues, but, but love is larger than any of them, and love is larger than all of them if you combine them. Love is the greatest out of all these things. You could have faith, you could have hope, you can have all these things, but love is the greatest of all. Love is it. Without love, true biblical defined love, none of the virtues that we just read and that we're covering, covering or anything that we're going to read now in verse 15 and on will manifest in purity. None of it will if it's not in love and through Christ's love. For the one that says, well, I have this, but there's no love. You can't say that. It's love. Love is what manifests all these things. So let's keep reading. In verse 15, it says, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. It governs your heart. It rules in your heart. It's taken authority over your heart. It's chained your heart. Your heart is submission under its rule. The rule of what? The peace of Christ. Or are you at war? Is your, war? is your heart constantly at war within you? You're warring with, 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 with the TV. <laughs> you're, warring, you're warring with each other. You're, I don't know. You guys have to define that. But you're, Scripture says it very clear. It's the peace that comes from Christ. That rules in our heart. We're not to be at war in our heart. What causes a man's ear to get sliced off from one of Jesus' right-hand men? And instead of Jesus saying, awesome, now it's time to punch them and attack. Instead, he picks up the ear and heals them and says, here I am, take me. Because he was filled with peace and the peace was filling his heart. It governed the heart of Jesus. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Goodness, we could say so much there. Let the message about Christ. So what's the message about Christ? Well, you know it. It's all of its richness. Let it fill your lives. Let it teach and, and counsel. Who do I teach and counsel? Well, Paul is also giving us instruction here. Teach and counsel each other. Why do I have to have love, tenderhearted, mercy, forgiveness, kindness, gentleness, patience? Because all of those attributes... Coming from love, I need them because at the end, are you guys ready? I have to do life with you, and you have to do life with me. And we need that if we're going to do life with each other. Because I am a very hard person to do life with. So we need this for each other. We need to do these things. We, we need to be this person because we're called to not teach and counsel the world and just throw words in the air and say, oof, I have an audience because that's what social media has done. We've all felt that we could place characters on this post and woof, our opinions were released to the world. To who? I heard someone say, hey, be careful what you post because if it's something bad about your life, half the people there don't care, and the other half are glad that it's happening to you. I don't know who said it. I think I heard it this week. Be careful what you post. That's not your platform. Your platform is not social media. Your platform is teach and counsel one another. It starts with each other. 
So I need to have these things because at the end of it all, I need to do this for you and I need you to do this for me. How do I do it? Look what the rest of that verse says in verse 16. With all wisdom that he gives. First off, do you think if I'm not operating in love that I'm going to be operating in wisdom? I love the people that think that they're filled with wisdom and yet lack love. It doesn't work. How can you come to me with this so-called wisdom when there's not a drip of love in you? There's no wisdom there. I love what Paul's writing to the church of Colossae. I love what he's writing to Nest Church today. I love what the Holy Spirit has allowed to be written here. Teach, counsel each other with the wisdom that Christ gives. And look how look at what we're supposed to do. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Love that. So the new man, as we read these verses, walks in the word of God and in worship with other believers. Our lives are to be walked with each other. Verse 17, I feel like I've stressed that enough. It says, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Christ. Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. So what is this saying? We should commit everything to Jesus. Do you know that there's a passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 and 14? Solomon writes this, the end of the matter... All has been heard. Look at this. Fear God and keep his commandments. At the end of the matter, when all has been heard, do this. Fear God and keep his word. Look what it says next. For this is the whole duty of a man. What is the duty of man? The duty of man, the responsibility of man is at the end of the matter, when all has been heard, at your responsibility, my responsibility is to fear God, keep his word, because at the end, that is the duty of my life. Man, Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether it's good or evil. Isn't the word of God so good? has all the answers for us. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. How many of you want to talk about marriage and children for a little while? (laughs) That's not what I came for today. All right. Beautiful verse 17. Let everything be committed to the Lord. That's your responsibility. Everything is committed to him. That is the duty of man, the responsibility of man. And, and, verse 18, um, as he's writing the letter to Colossae, uh, ladies, wives, um, I'm hearing things. So he says, submit to your husbands. And all the men say, you're wise. You're wise men. Wise men. Better not say amen. Wives, submit to your husbands, listen to this, as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, you love your wives and you never treat them harshly. And then he goes, children. So he's like, wives, husbands, together what you guys created, children. Children, um, you too, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. A disobedient child does not please the Lord in a household. 
A disobedient child in the household is a husband and a wife, a mother and a father who has done wrong in parenting. It does not please the Lord. Look what he says. Fathers, as we're talking about your children, don't aggravate your child or they'll become discouraged. And then he goes, slaves, Roman rule, Roman world. Remember the writer and the time that it is written, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. This could really speak about our jobs, can it? You do good when your boss is watching you, but when they're not, you're clocking out. You're asking someone to clock out for you when you left, you know, the whole thing. I'm leaving two hours earlier, but can you clock out for me so I can get paid for those two hours? You just stole, cheated, lied. You did everything right there. All right. Not talking to anyone here, but, you know. Obey these bosses of yours. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. So, so he starts to break all this down. From wives to husbands to children to fathers with their children. He even tells them, don't aggravate. Um, I love that Paul says that in Colossians chapter 3, verse 21, because it's not the first church that he writes this to. In the church of Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, he felt it needing that the church needed to hear this and that the fathers of the church, and maybe there's fathers here today that need to hear this. Fathers, he says in Ephesians 6, 4, he repeats the same thing in Colossians. Do not provoke your children to anger. But bring them up in the discipline, in the instruction of the Lord. So, so as men, we're urged to restrain. Uh, the, I love how the English, the English standard uh, says it. Men are urged to restrain their anger and any other attitudes that can embitter their children lest they despair of pleasing their parents. You're, you're nurturing these children. You're not purposely affecting them. You're not purposely speaking ill things to them. You're not purposely on their backs because they're frustrating you. And, you just, and you're bringing bad out of them. You're nurturing them to hopefully bring good. Obedience, righteousness from them. A father should be careful never to frustrate their children or discourage them. But a father should train their child the same way that God disciplines and teaches us as fathers. Verses 18 to 22, there's some good things. And, and Paul, as he writes to um, Colossae, he writes to the church of Ephesus. And he's writing about marriage, about husbands, about wives, about children, about fathers. And he doesn't only do it with Colossae. And I believe it's because there's an importance to this church. He does it in Ephesians. He goes to the home. And today, Paul's going to your home. He's coming to my home. He's going to your home. And he wants to go to this one true element, this one basic element of society. And he wants to show us what a Christian husband and what a Christian wife and what Christian children should look like. What they are like. That there is no part of life that is not affected when these people receive Christ as their Savior. When the husband, the wife, the children, when Christ comes into their life, they affect everyone. How many times have we said this? The answer to this world, everything that is going on in this world, I truly, firmly, and boldly believe that it's not in the one that you place in the White House or any mayor or any governor or any commissioner that you place in your district 
The only hope and solution for this world is the church. And the church starts in the household. The Christian home is healing to this world. If you don't believe me, become a teacher and go to the schools and see what's going on. What we see in children is what they're seeing at home. The, the, the household is the healing of the land because that was the first true church. When God started it all, he didn't say, and now I create a deacon. And now I create board members. He says, no, Adam, and from his rib, Eve, and from them, children, and what? Multiply and fill the earth. They were the healing of the land. They were to be it. When the church started, it started in people's what? Homes. The household is the most important thing. The Christian household is what I believe is the answer to all of our problems, whether it's gun, whether it's gender, whether it's sexuality, whatever it is, the Christian home is to stand up and finally, once and for all, be the voice that God's called it to be. And that's what he's doing. Everyone will be affected. In first century Roman homes, as Paul's writing, it's very interesting. I'm going to give you some background. <clears throat> the Roman home, the husband, the father, had the right of ownership. The Roman home, the husband, the father, had the right of ownership. The, the, the husband, the father, as Paul's writing this in his culture, he understood that the father, the husband, had ownership and complete authority. It was Roman law. Check this out. So by law... By law, of Roman law, if I don't like my kid, I can just kill them. By Roman law, it's not morally right, but it's perfectly legal. We can just do these kind of things. It's, it's kind of like the issue with abortion. It's legal, but it's morally wrong. But yet it's being done today. Yes or no? In those days, you could kill children, you could kill your wife, and plenty of people did. And Paul knows this as he writes to the church of Colossae. They had an authoritative rule, and Paul is writing to address that. But what he's doing is something totally different. I know that's the Roman law, but Christian husbands, you should, at the end of it all, you should love your wives. <laughs> Christian wives, you should allow your husbands to bear the weight of responsibility before God and then submit to him because your husband has submitted to God. That whole thing about submission from a wife to a husband is because the husband has submitted to God. When a wife says to her husband, yes, Lord, it's because the husband has said to his God, yes, Lord. The only reason Sarah can tell Abraham, yes, Lord, is because Abraham has lived a faithful life before Sarah saying, yes, Lord. So Sarah said, yes, Lord, because I know you say, yes, Lord. And what I hear from you, I know you hear from God. <laughs> Marriage is so easy, isn't it? Family is so easy. It's just follow this. <laughs> just do this. Love your wives. Christian wives should allow this. 
As the husband submits, it's the authority of God. I get that there's Roman, Roman law, but the authority, the law of God, the son Christ, the husband of all, the head of all. And the husband, as we portray this, is the head of the home. And yes, we call the shots, but listen to this. The husband is responsible before God, before ever speaking anything towards their family. Responsible before God and the wife in loving submission to her husband and the children and bond servants all the way down fall under that authority because the husband submits to God. That's the real biblical teaching of family. So what is the point of verses 18 through 22? I hope you got it. The point of it is all of this is to focus on Jesus. If the man of the house does not focus on Christ, that household can be lost. <sighs> You've come from a broken home? Have you? How was it? Thank you. Appreciate that. How was your broken home? Think about that. Because the man of the house did not submit under God. And it affected the woman of the house. And you who came from a broken home, it also affected you. The home is the answer. Men, husbands, future husbands, future wives, these men that will marry any woman, this woman that will marry any man, be very careful. Oh, your standards are too high. They better be high. And the, the number one standard is they better... Fear and submit to God. If not, the wife, the husband is no good for you. Oh, but I know it'll come along. It won't if it's not there yet. Oh, but I know what to do. I know what to say. Uh, what can you do or say that God hasn't already done or said for them? Submit. Husbands, men, submit, fall under his authority. All of this is to focus on Jesus. All of this is to kill the picture of what people do family and how they do family. Because the majority of people, we do family wrong. The woman is in control of the household because the man has no authority because God is not his authority. Or the man is fighting all the time because he wants everyone to respect him when himself is not living a life respectful to God. How will we want things in order when our very own personal lives are out of order? It all begins with a close internal inspection and recognize where are we before God. Are you guys with me in verse 18 through 22? Because I want to wrap this message up today. So let's, let's end today's message. Verse 23 and uh, verse 24 and 25. He says, Paul is so funny. I, and the Holy Spirit working through Paul. Husbands, wives, children, fathers. Verse 23. Work willingly. Do it Heartily, work willingly at whatever you do. As though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. 
He's going to bring verses 1 through 22, and he's going to bring it into this ending point, which is everything that I've just shared with you, not just marriage, not just household, but, 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 but loving one another, pulling, dealing with each other, everything that I've said in verses 1 through 22, all of this, do it, do it with a full heart, do it willingly at whatever you do. Do it right, do it healthy, do it well, as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. It's all for the glory, for the honor of the Lord, is what Paul is saying. Everything that I've just said, everything that you and I have covered in the last two weeks, everything in Colossians chapters 1 all the way to this point, do it heartily with your whole heart unto the Lord. Verse 24. As you work heartily, And fully unto the Lord, and unto the Lord, verse 24, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. And that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, Paul is so graceful. (laughs) You will be paid back for the wrong you've done. For God has no favorites. You have to answer for your life. Oh, but I expected my children to, to serve the Lord all the days of his life. Right, and you never prayed one time with them. You never sat down one time and corrected, corrected their wrong. Well, I wanted this marriage to work, right? There's a reward for every single one of us. If you do what is right, if you remember these things, the Lord will give you an inheritance, an inheritance as your reward. Remember that your master is Jesus, but if you do what is wrong, you're going to be paid back for the wrong you've done. There's no favoritism in God. Every man will be judged accordingly. Every man will stand before him. Work willingly. With all of your heart unto the Lord, not unto man, but do it to please and honor him. The New King James Study Bible, I took it from here. It says this, the strong motivation to serve someone, to serve someone well is found in the future reward that Christ gives to those who are faithful in his service. We normally think we receive eternal rewards for spiritual practices like reading the Bible like prayer or evangelism. But here, Paul asserts that all work done to honor, all the work done to the honor of Christ, all of that work brings an eternal reward. Not just spiritual practices, but all of your life unto the Lord. I hope you could, I hope you sat under this today and could say yes, Lord, and amen. I'm going to end right where we started in chapter 1. In Colossians 1, 22 and 23, Paul continues to repeat and to make some sense of everything that he's saying, continues to say. And he starts off in verse one, chapter 1 with this. Yet, now he 
has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he's brought you into his own presence. Come on, church. And now you are holy and you're blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Verse 23, but we are like, yes, amen, I am. But you must continue to believe this truth. You must continue to stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance that you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. This is it. This is the truth. This is the work that God has done. Work willingly, heartily unto the Lord. He's brought you to a place of be holy and blameless before Him without fault. Come and live and stand firmly. Believe in this truth as the Word of God has been preached to you is what Paul's saying. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to close up. Lord, I, I believe that in today's message, we could have preached 50 or more different messages. We could have branched off and had a series of series of multiple series of just every other verse that we read. There was so much in just these few verses that we covered today. I pray that something, something may have stuck to us. I pray that, Holy Spirit, that because of the truth of your word, that that a mighty work would be done in our lives. Lord, we're not to take this word lightly and your your writing lightly, your word of God and flippantly just speak of it and hear it and not give reverence and attention to it and obedience to it. Lord, we're called to submit under it that this is our authority this rules in my heart that we would be that kind of person Lord that you would transform every single believer here today that you would transform every family here today and as Paul wrote this to the church of Colossae in his day and yet we speak of it to the church that is still living and operating in this day that we would come to understand and come to obey what the scripture is teaching us Lord that we would put on love that we would put back the ears and heal that we would do family well healthy honest biblically that we would serve you with a heart that is willing wholeheartedly unto you. That, Lord, you would receive all the glory and honor. I thank you for all my brothers and sisters, Lord. I thank you for those that are listening here today, those that are watching and will watch, will hear, that your word will do a great miracle in our lives. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you because today... We needed this word in our lives. And we fall under its rule and we say, yes, Lord. We say yes and amen. 
this word over our lives. We thank you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. And together, Nest Church, we all say, Amen. Amen. Can you give God some praise? He's so worthy. So worthy.